It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation, and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews, we're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL, your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. The draft is over, Raider Nation. How are you feeling? Some of you love it. Some of you hate it. And then most of us in the middle somewhere there, right? You're still processing what happened over the weekend, what the Raiders did. We're going to get into all of that today, not only the draft overall, but the Raiders, of course, specifically around all the picks that they had. They had a lot of picks this year. They had a lot of needs. Did they address them all? We're going to get into that. First of all, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. If you don't already do it, please do it wherever you get your podcast. Shout out to our listeners on the radio in Las Vegas. Yes, we are also on The Bet in Las Vegas, an audio ra- uh, Odyssey radio station out there as well. So make sure you listen to us there. And hearty hello to everybody on YouTube. Hit the subscription and the notifications bell. And I say us because it, this show is me and my co-host, Mo Moten. He is the national NFL writer at Bleacher Report. Also Raiders columnist at sportsnot.com, where you can find brand new content. We'll talk about that in this last segment of the show, what he's got new because you definitely want to check that out. Uh, and he will also be someone you want to follow on Twitter, at Mo Moten, which you can see on the screen if you're watching us, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully. Okay, Mo, the draft is over, and uh, it was an eventful one. So many things happened we thought would happen. So many things we thought would happen did not happen. Yes, I had people on Twitter say, so, oh, thank God you're not a GM. Your show was so wrong. Yes, most of us were wrong. We said that actually for a month leading it, that, hey, we're just guessing. Like everybody else, it doesn't matter how talented you are, what homework you do. Uh, the reality is the draft is a very unusual animal. Mo, let's start at the top, though. We're going to get all into the Raiders stuff in a second. But this 2023 NFL draft, a lot of trades. Our producer, David Stepanian, predicted there would be a ton of trades. Let's start there. What surprised you the most about this draft and how it went down? First of all, so I'll defend our show a little bit here. I don't, I don't see how we were terribly wrong on anything. We predicted that Dave, Devin Witherspoon would be the pick, and it turns out that the Seattle Seahawks swiped him. Yes. So obviously the league was also high on Devin Witherspoon. A lot of people were in Christian Gonzalez, and he went 17 to New England Pages. So the league wasn't as high on Gonzalez as they were Devin Witherspoon. And also I'll get into a prediction that I had. I put out my first full-round mock draft, and people saying – Oh, no way Jalen Carter gets past the Raiders, Mo. You have him going ninth. There's no way they're going to pass on him. And I said, a visit with the Raiders doesn't guarantee that they're going to pick him in that spot. And lo and behold, what happens? Jalen Carter falls to nine, which is where I had him in my first round mock. And I had him going to the Bears, but it turns out the Bears moved back with the Eagles and the Eagles picked him up. But I had the Raiders passing on Jalen Carter. I was correct on that. But I will say the surprises that happened during the draft. Who had the Texans trading up for Will Anderson after they drafted C.J. Stroud? Those guys went back to back. There's a lot of talk that it was going to be one or the other. Nick Casario shrugged his shoulders and said, 
eh, why not both? And that shocked me as I was doing my Bleacher Report live show. Uh, Will Levis in the second round was a shocker because he was reportedly telling his friends and family, according to our Reddit thread, that the Panthers were considering him with the first pick and his odds changed in his favor after that came out. So that was a shocker there. But as far as the Raiders are concerned, I thought they would address the cornerback position and linebacker spot earlier, but I'm sure we'll get into that today. We will get into that. And I think that that's one of the things when you look at the draft and and to your point, we said it. And yes, we were in close vicinity to what the Raiders were going to do. Uh, They did. We predicted going in, it was going to be very heavily defensive. We probably would have seen the Raiders go defense with their second round pick too, but we'll get into that later. It's just too good of a value to, to pass up there with Michael Mayer. uh, And we'll get into it. But For me, I think that's the thing here, too, is remember, you just don't know. Mo, the thrilling thing about draft day is the unpredictable. You talked about it, how aggressive Houston was. When that pick, when they pick second, they take C.J. Stroud, and then all of a sudden you see the trade roll up with the Cardinals, and it's the Texans again for Mm back-to-back picks at the top of the first round. Will Anderson, Mm -hmm. you're like, holy moly, this is nuts. And sure enough, we saw this trading go, and the Raiders were participants in that trade, maybe not at the top of the first round, but they did a lot of swapping later on, which we'll talk about. But that, to me, it just goes to show you, with this draft, you just don't know what's going to happen. And so when you're going into it, everything you think might happen, players that you think the Raiders might grab at seven, no doubt, that can change very quickly as these GMs, as these scouts see who falls off the board. You have to go along with the flow of the draft because you just don't know who's going to be available at what spot. So you can't say we're definitely going to draft a cornerback here, a linebacker there, because there may be a player who slips that you didn't think would be there. And that's what I believe happened with the Raiders in the second round with Michael Mayer, who who thought he was going to be the third tight end off the board. No, one. I, I saw a lot of people have him in the first round as the first or maybe the second tight end after Dalton Kincaid. Turns out he was the third, and he looked pretty pissed off when Dalton Kincaid was picked to go to the Bills. They showed a <laughs> shot of Michael Mayer, and he's like, I, I should be the tight end. I should be the top tight end in this class. So to get a pissed off Michael Mayer and the Raiders, I'll take that. The other thing about the Raiders draft is, and you mentioned it, the, the aggressiveness of teams moving up for their for their players. The Raiders moved up, I believe, four times for players. And I said this on Twitter that three of the times that they moved up, I actually liked the pick. Mm-hmm. And that another prediction we had right on this show is, or at least I said this, I said the Raiders weren't going to make 12 selections. They're going to make 9 to 10. They come away with 9 because a lot of people were saying, well, these picks are useless. These day three picks are useless. Well, mm-hmm. the Raiders use those day three picks to get guys like Michael Mayer, to get Chris Smith, to get Jacorian Bennett. So there's no useless draft pick. And the Raiders knew that they had to kind of consolidate their class because there's no way you're going to have 12 rookies come into camp. You bundle those picks up, as I said on this show plenty of times, and you move up for the guys you want. And that's what Dave Ziegler did. So if we look at this, Mo, let's let's start to break it down a little bit. We'll get into specific players as we roll into segment two. But if you look at the draft recap for the Raiders here and what they did through all seven rounds, the question is, did they address all their needs? You know, the Raiders had clear opportunities to add depth on the offensive line, defensive line at cornerback. And then, of course, they were looking, perhaps we had heard, to add some depth to the quarterback room. When you look at it from the needs they had heading in, where did they hit? Where did they miss? They definitely hit on the defensive line. They picked up two defensive tackles in Byron Young in the third round at pick 70. And uh, Nesta J. Severa as their last pick out of Arizona State, who, by the way, has a connection to Antonio Pierce, who was the co-defensive coordinator at Arizona State. So that pick right. makes sense. Of course, their first pick, Tyree Wilson, 
uh, is going to be a versatile defensive lineman, not just going to line up on the edge. I think he'll also kick inside in some packages. So they definitely hit in the trenches on the defensive side of the ball. Where they missed at was, as as mentioned briefly, the linebacker position. They waited until the sixth round to draft the linebacker in Amari Bernie out of, out of Florida. Now, great. Now I think he has an opportunity to compete for uh, a lot of snaps early as a rookie, but mm-hmm. to to rely on a sixth rounder to patch up your linebacker corps after what it looked like at the free agency, that's risky business. And I know a lot of people will say, well, Patrick Graham's defense de-emphasizes the position of the linebacker. And I say, look, you want good football players on every level of your defense, whether they're high value or not. And I think the Raiders, where they picked Byron Young and where they picked Trey Tucker, who I'm sure we're going to talk about a lot today, I think that spot should have been a linebacker or a cornerback. Now, they did get Ja'Cory Bennett as a cornerback, but I felt like they should have double-dipped that cornerback, and Ja'Cory Bennett should have been the second cornerback they took. They passed on the top prospect at the position, which makes me believe that they're going to bring in a veteran quarterback. So, cornerback, linebacker, I questioned a little bit. You mentioned mm-hmm. offensive line. I thought they would get a guard, but maybe the board didn't fall that way. Other than that, I think they addressed pretty much um, their needs there because they got. I think they got a safety in the fifth round who's probably going to play a lot of reps as a rookie in Chris Smith. Yeah, and and I think that's where you look at this, and and we'll get into grades and whatnot later. But I look at it as a solid draft class, and yeah. there are a few areas where they missed the mark. You just mentioned them. I think offensive line sticks out, but to your point, as the board falls, they did address offensive line with a good kid. We'll talk about as an undrafted free agent in just a minute. But if you look at what they've done there and at cornerback, yes. Could they have gone earlier in cornerback? Yes. If Michael Mayer wasn't there, I thought, I think they probably would have, mm-hmm. but, but who knows? I think the situation with this class, and this is how I'm going, this is going to be kind of, I think my script uh, until we see how this unfolds over the course of the 2023 season, Mo, is that, This class is a good class, but it is not a class that is going to help them, I believe, significantly right away. There is not, to me, four bona fide guys on the defense, for example, who are going to make such an impact to turn this team around. I think this class will get better as time goes on. You have some good kids here who, with some playing time, will be rotational players. You mentioned Young and some of these other guys. They will work their way in. I don't think they were bad picks but it's not going to be instant gratification. Would you agree with me on that? I would agree with you on that, but I also want to correct myself on, on the show before the draft. And you, I remember you asked, what would a good Raider draft class look like? And yes. I talked about starters. And, and I want to correct myself on that because in the NFL, you could be a, a quote-unquote starter and play less than 50% of the snaps. True. You could be a backup and play more than 50% of the snaps. So I want to step back from the label of starter backup mm. and talk about how many snaps do you think that player is going to play? Is that player going to play more than 50% of the snaps or less than 50% of the snaps? Because the more you're on the field, obviously the more chance you can have an impact on this football team. And if I'm looking at this draft class, I think Tyree Wilson is going to play most of the snaps on a defensive line. I think eventually he'll take over for Chandler Jones, whether it happens early or not. I think it depends on the recovery, the healing of his foot. Yeah. Byron Young is going to be a rotational player. I don't see him playing more than even 40% of the snaps because that defensive line room, and Ziegler talked about it, buckle up. It's going to be a a very competitive defensive line room, and I don't see Byron Young playing a ton of snaps because he's going to have to compete with Bilal Nichols, who played about 71% of the snaps last year, Matthew Butler, Neil Farrell, who they drafted last year. As I said, they brought in Nesta J. Severa also as a defensive tackle. Yes. You got Jerry Tillery still there. 
So there are some bodies they have on the defensive line, and Byron Young is going to be in that shuffle. The other player I would, the other two players I would look at is Jacorian Bennett. I think he has a chance to start. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't pen, I wouldn't pen him in as a starter, but I think he has a good chance because of his ball production. Right. I think Chris Smith is going to be a starter, quote unquote, guy who plays a lot of snaps, more than fifty percent, simply because I'm not a big believer in Marcus Epps, and and I and I really didn't. I don't want to say I didn't like the pickup, but I was very lukewarm in that pickup. Mm-hmm. I think I think Chris Smith can come in immediately and play a lot of snaps at that position as a rookie because of his instincts, because of his football IQ and ball production. He has the total package. He just didn't test well at the combine. I said this in a, in a tweet that if he ran a 4-4, Chris Smith would have been a, a, probably a third-round pick. Yes. And listen, I, I don't disagree with you on that. I think Chris Smith will play a lot of snaps, and I think I like the Jacorian Bennett pick. I think he might be that gem of a pick, right? He might be that guy, just like Max Crosby in the fourth, Jacorian Bennett in the in the fourth. Again, though, I think that there's ifs there. And even with Tyree Wilson, which I love the pick, trust me, the injury, we just don't know how long it's going to take him to get there, to your point. He'll eventually re- replace Chandler Jones. I have no doubt about that. I think he has the talent, and, and, and there shouldn't be. As long as he gets healthy and it all goes the way it should, then that should take some time. And that's why I think this, this draft class – um, you're going to have to wait. It's not going to be like, man, after four weeks, look at look at how these guys are lighting up the board here. No, I think it's going to take some time. You develop some of these guys in, and we're going to get into the specifics on all of these guys uh, when we come back. But but certainly, I think Raider Nation has to feel good about the fact that there wasn't major reaches, although you could say Byron Young, a lot of people had him in the fourth round. Um, but they liked him. They liked what he did, so they took him there. This was not a Gruden-Mayock-Reach-type pick, nor was Michael Mayer or Tyree Wilson. Those were not guys that that had no business being where they were, except for Mayer, he should have been higher. So to me, if you're looking at it through that lens, it's improvement and it's steady, and you're starting to see a little bit, I think, Mo, of where Josh Ziegler and Josh McDaniel, excuse me, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels are in how they want to construct this team by the type of player they are selecting. Right, and I, th- I think Dave Ziegler said this previously that they're not going to fix the defense with one draft. It's no. going to take multiple draft classes to do that. Now, of course, you want guys who are going to make an immediate impact, but I, I went through the list of names, and Tyree Wilson is the only guy right now that I could say definitely should make an immediate impact. I feel good about Jacorian Bennett and and Chris Smith, but we'll see. And as I said, Byron Young crowded defensive line room. So that's another wait and see approach. I think he'll be a rotational player, immediately contribute on rundowns or early downs against the run. That's fine. But as you said, I, I question the value there. I'm sure we'll get into that later on in the show. Yes. And of course they have Michael Mayer who will be a starter from get go, <laughs> I believe. Um, Scott's and- favorite draft pick, by the way. Absolutely. And sometimes it works out that way. Right. But but li- literally the, the kid is a, a catching machine. I mean, he does not drop balls. If you get the ball to him, he's not as dynamic as some of the other tight ends when it comes to running the field. But he they call him baby Gronk for a reason. I think there is a lot of similarities there. So it'll be exciting to do that. OK, when we come back from the break, we're going to get down into all the draft picks for the Raiders and give you our assessment of them, talk a little bit about them. Uh, And then in the third segment, we'll get nitty gritty, give you our grade. Uh, You kind of got a sense for how we already feel about this one. And I know for you out there who hate it and wanted CJ Stroud and thought they should give up everything, including the deed to the stadium to get him. I know you're going to tell us that we're shilling for the Raiders and all that jazz. 
But no, we're just being objective. I'm gonna, hey, if you don't like it, you don't like it, but we're going to give it to you straight here on Silver and Black today. Don't go anywhere. We are coming right back. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back, Silver and Black. Today, the post-draft edition. Yes, a release on a Monday morning for you on your way into work. We appreciate you guys being with us. If you don't already subscribe to the podcast, please do it wherever you get it. Just look us up. We are an Odyssey original podcast covering the Las Vegas Raiders. You can also hear us on The Bet in Las Vegas and on our YouTube channel where you can subscribe and hit the notifications bell to watch the show. Yes. Mo Moten, he is national NFL writer at Bleacher Report. I am Scott Colbranson, your host. We are here, and we are going to get nitty-gritty. Okay, Mo, we look at this, and I'm going to flash the list up here uh, for the Raiders. If you look at the entire draft class, of course, Tyree Wilson, Michael Mayer, Byron Young, the first three rounds. Trey Tucker, hmm, still on that one. I'm still trying to warm to that one. Ja'Korian Bennett, we talked about last last uh, segment. The quarterback, yes, everybody wanted a young quarterback, Mo. They got one. Aiden O'Connell out of Purdue. Okay, we'll get to that. Chris Smith, the second uh, from Georgia, the safety. Amari Bernie, the linebacker, took him to the sixth round to get a linebacker in Las Vegas. And Nesta Jade Silvera, of course, forks up uh, Arizona State defensive tackle there as well. So, Mo, we look at this list, and, of course, we have to start with the number one pick, and that, of course, is Tyree Wilson. No questioning this guy's ability and what he's able to do. His wingspan, you know, he playing on the other side eventually and, and being the guy on the other side of Max Crosby is a dream situation from the end. I think people were disappointed. You talked about Jalen Carter. Everybody wanted to draft in the middle for the Raiders. We talked about the need there, no question about it. But when you have the opportunity to get an edge player like Tyree Wilson, foot injury or not, that's a hard thing to pass up in the draft. Here's the thing. I'll start here because <laughs> I know the Jalen Carter thing is going to come up. And I said this during the Bleach Report Live and because I experienced it. A lot of Raider fans weren't happy with this pick primarily because they wanted Jalen Carter, not because they thought Tyree Wilson was a horrible pick. It's because they preferred someone else. And I will say, if you listen to what Dave Ziegler said at the end of the draft, he said, we grade players with two separate grades, two separate aspects, the on-the-field production, and the character, and I, I want to say off the field stuff. So there are two separate grades. So based on what Ziggler said, two separate grades. What you do on the field, Jalen Carter is an A there. Now the off the field stuff is what makes me believe why they passed on him. 
Mm-hmm. And they, you don't have those same questions with Tyree Wilson. Now you have the injury question, but he, Tyree Wilson did say that he'll be ready for training camp. So until I hear otherwise, we take his word for it. Right. And if the Raiders did their due diligence on Jalen Carter's off the field matters, I'm sure they did their due diligence on Tyree Wilson's foot. Now I will say other, I heard that other GMs were concerned about Tyree Wilson's foot injury and how it was healing because he had a screw put in there and they feared that he may have to have another surgery i'm going to repeat that raider fans so if you're squinting i i'm just saying i heard that gms were worried about tyree wilson's foot because they are fearing that he may have to have another surgery in the near future i'm not reporting this this is just what's out there and why he may have been available to the Raiders. because i a lot of mock drafts had tyree wilson going earlier than seven and there was talk that he can go two or three over willie anderson yeah. So I think part of the reason there is because of the injury scare and not knowing the, the unknown, you want to take you want to take a gamble with a top five pick, a guy coming off of a, a foot injury. Well, and, and I actually thought he might go to Seattle. I really did because Seattle I, has I no pass so. rush. They have no pass rush. So. And instead they go cornerback. Uh, and I know that's what we mm-hmm. talked about, the Raiders going cornerback because of the need there. But in reality, I think you know one of the discussions I heard during the draft was, well, you know, yes, the Raiders need cornerbacks. But I'll tell you what, if you have a really good pass rush, that's going to help out a cornerback, even if it's a veteran who's a fill-in gap until you figure it out there. So so there, I think a lot of Raider fans lost sight of that because Christian Gonzalez was still there. Some of these guys we talked a lot about and, and the entire world in the NFL talked about these top-end cornerbacks were still there, but the Raiders instead go to the edge. The big risk with the injury, that is the only thing that is the negative in my mind. But the Raiders, again... They made the choice. They had their doctors look at it. Whoever they consult on those situations, like you said, some teams had the opposite. Whoever the Raiders are talking to, whoever they trust, has told have told them that the risk was worth it. So you have to trust that and see where it goes. But again, I think improving that edge with what you have in the middle. They drafted two guys in the middle last year that they like. Yes, they didn't perform as much as they needed to last year, but they clearly like who they have, and so they're going to build around them. By the way, if you can have both edges on fire, you can also help the middle of your defense too, right? Right. But the other thing I want to point out is the other reason I can't give this pick an A, and I gave this pick a B plus, not Mm -hmm. just because of the foot injury, but Tyree Wilson is not a fast starter off the line of scrimmage he doesn't have a quick first step you hear a lot about these edge rushers having a quick first step off the line of scrimmage he doesn't have that but i will say he's learning from one of the guys who had one of the quickest first steps in his prime in chandler jones that's what chandler jones is known for having a quick step and timing his his jump off the line of scrimmage after right. the snap so if he's going to learn to improve in that area chandler jones is the perfect guy to do it with and the Raiders, of course, we heard the news right uh, before the draft. They've restructured Chandler Jones' contract. We talked about that here on the show last week. And um, I think Chandler Jones understands where he's at in his career. Will he have a better year this year? You hope so. But I think him being there to tutor Tyree Wilson, to be there to teach him how to get that first step a little faster uh, is a big deal. Can I just one thing, too? The yeah. whole calling him Cleveland Farrell 2.0, can we stop that? Just <laughs> look stupid. at the film. Yeah. Tyree Wilson is, I think, is a more athletic defender than Cleveland Farrell, and he's more versatile. Cleveland Farrell had to kind of move inside because he wasn't getting enough pass rush on the outside. So they said maybe he can take advantage of slower offensive linemen on the inside. Tyree Wilson comes into the league being able to move inside. You know, that's his call. That's one of his calling cards is that he's able to play in multiple spots along the defensive line. So he can take right. advantage of some of the offensive linemen based on 
what he can do with his pass rush. Now, he needs to develop a secondary counter to his pass rushing skills, but most of these edge rushes do come out of college because they're not finished products. Right. But I think Tyree, Tyree Wilson's upside is way higher than Cleveland Farrell. And by the way, Tyree Wilson consistently, as I said, mocked in the top five. Cleveland Farrell was a back-end first-round pick, so the comparisons don't meet. No, it's it's if, if you're comparing that pick, those two picks, then you clearly did not read a thing about either one of these players or understand or watch, who they were or, or watch, watch them. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, let's just, you know, th- that's, there's going to be negative people. It doesn't matter. Again, you could, you could pick the second coming of the, of Bo Jackson and they'd still decry the pick. So, so whatever it goes, you know, you just have to deal with that. Now, Mo, we move into the second round, Michael Mayer, right? So, so my, my Notre Dame allegiances aside, this kid <laughs> I mean, the Raiders are there, and I think you like this because, listen, the best player available stuff, right? We talked about that a lot during our our pre-draft coverage. But Michael Mayer slips down the draft. He goes third out of the tight ends when he was projected in most people's book to be the number one overall tight end. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and you're sitting there. You just traded Darren Waller. You really need – you don't have a future. You have a bunch of tight ends on one-year deals. You don't have mm-hmm. your future at the position – you suddenly you get to your pick in the second round and he's still there. They had to be salivating over this pick, especially you talk about the perfect, the perfect system fit with Josh McDaniel's system and Jimmy Garoppolo, a quarterback, if he stays healthy, um, this is the guy, the fact that they were able, this is an a plus plus pick. If, if Tyree Wilson was a B plus because of everything else we talked about, Michael Mayer, was a drop dead great pick. I saw Raider Nation absolutely love this one, and they should. Yeah, this is the best pick in the draft for the Raiders. They traded up for it, addressed a sneaky need. Now, people didn't have tight end at the top of the needs priority <laughs> list, but as you said, you have a bunch of guys who aren't the long term answer. They signed Austin Hooper, but he's making he's going to be making less than three million. So they he he wasn't the long term answer there. So the Raiders definitely addressed the need, not their biggest need on defense, but a need nonetheless with the, with a player who, as you said. A lot of people has the first tight end off the board. Now he's behind Don Kincaid, behind Sam Laporta. When I did a Bleacher Report mock draft for the Raiders and I picked a tight end in the third round, people lost their you-know-what. <laughs> and to have Michael Mayer there in the second round, the Raiders could not resist. We know how important the tight end is to Josh McDaniel's offensive system. So it makes sense that they went up and got him. And I think they're going to get a player who can give you, you know, seven to 800 receiving yards right out of the box. Now, it's hard for tight ends to transition the NFL, but eventually Michael Mayer could be that guy to be that secondary weapon behind Devontae Adams in the passing game. Absolutely. And and not only that, but you you look at what they're able to do with him. And the fact, if you didn't watch him play in college as I did every game, um, you mm-hmm. you'll see his hands. I mean, the guy is unbelievable. He's not he's not the same kind of player as 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 Darren Waller, different type of player, but he is a guy, if you watch, if you go back, and I know it pains Raider fans to hear this, if you watch some of the New England offense under Josh McDaniels and how it ran with Gronkowski, you can't p- compare those two guys. One guy's a Hall of Famer. This is a college kid just coming into the NFL. But nonetheless, that's the kind of player that you that you put into that system who does really well once he's developed and, and, and at a level where he can play fully, he's good to go there. And I love the pick, and I think that you're right. Raider fans didn't want to hear about a tight end in this draft. And I don't think they would have taken one in the second round had he not been available. Right. And the other thing I want to bring up is Jimmy Garoppolo loves to throw to the middle of the field. Yes. Every year that Jimmy Garoppolo played most of his games in the San Francisco 49ers, George Kittle had an all-pro or a Pro Bowl year. So getting a, a Michael Mayer in that offense, immediately it helps Jimmy Garoppolo. He's going to have his numbers up. If he could stay healthy, 
he's going to be productive with that tight end. And just to have that long-term rapport, I think Jimmy Garoppolo, for as long as he's the starter of the Raiders, he's going to have a, a strong connection with Michael Mayer. And the other thing I want to bring up about Michael Mayer is that he's not the most refined blocker, but he plays no. with a physical nature. And I think being physical is the, is the beginning of it, but he has the willingness to block. And I think he'll be a fine blocker with time because Again, these are not finished products with coaching. I think he'll be a complete tight end. He's probably the most complete tight end of the group coming in. I and mean, this is a deep tight end class, but Michael Mayer is definitely the top of the list for me. Yeah, if he can learn how to block and and learn pretty quickly, like his first season, he has he has a runway you wouldn't believe. So we'll see how that goes. Then we get to the third round, Mo, and uh, the Raiders go defense. They go interior this time, and they go with Byron Young out of Alabama. I think it was a surprise again. Most of the mocks, most of the experts had him going at the highest, at the low, at the very end of the third round, but more in the fourth round. The Raiders did technically, in my view here, reach. Um, but is that reach worth it? They believe so. I don't think it's an egregious reach, but they saw something from this kid that they felt like at that point in the third round that they needed to select him. Um, I scratch my head. They're both third round picks, actually. We'll get to Trey Tucker in a second. But but when you look at this pick from Alabama, he is going to be a rotational player. I think I think this is a kind of guy who can maybe in year two start to pick up some more if he develops. But it's going to be a tough road to hoe for him. I think he's going to have to learn a lot. He's going to have to develop significantly uh, for him to break into that center of the Raiders' defense and really have impact. Here's my thing about the Byron Young pick. I feel like if the Raiders wanted Byron Young, they could have got him in the at the early of the fourth round. Because <laughs> typically defensive tackles who don't show much of a pass rush for most of their collegiate careers mm -hmm. are usually middle-round picks. Now, if he had the the pass rushing production of a Kalaja Kansi, you know, I think then you can justify him being that early. Now he did have 28 pressures in his last year at Alabama because he played behind some guys at Alabama, didn't get a lot of playing time. So maybe it's just a product of him not being on the field, but he had 28 pressures this past season. He had 28 in his first two, three years, I believe. So he matched that pass rushing production. So there is some upside there. Maybe he develops as a pass rusher, but from his collegiate resume, you look at that player and you say, that's a fourth round player because of the because of the lack of the pass rush in his earlier years. Now we'll see what he'll be, but as I said, the earlier part of the show, he's going to be competing with a lot of guys for snaps. Bilal Nichols, Jerry yeah. Tillery, they brought in Nesta J. Severa, Matthew Butler, Neil Farrell Jr. from the last year's draft class. So he's going to be competing with a lot of guys. To take a player that's probably going to play 30% of the snaps in the third round at 70 when you have a big need at linebacker and cornerback. That was the problem for me. I don't have right. a problem with the prospects. I think he'll immediately contribute to rundowns, but I think there were better options for the Raiders on the board at 70. Yeah, I I don't understand it because you're right. The the slew of linebackers still available at that point. Dan Henley was still on the board. He was still there. Trenton Simpson. Exactly. Both of them still mm -hmm. there. And I'm thinking, why? I understand it's a point of need, but but you and you can't build it, as you said earlier, and then the Raiders said you can't build the defense in one draft. But you could spread out the, the development. You could get, okay, you got your edge guy. You can get now a linebacker because you have none. The linebacker, I mean, you tweeted it out. What did you say? The, it's, like, it's like a horror show or it's, it's, it's freakishly scary how bad they it's are. Disgusting. It's, it's disgusting. <laughs> that's what you said. Uh, at linebacker. So to me, but for whatever reason, they went with By Byron Young. They like something about him. And you're right. He did not rush the passer in college. So we'll see what they do there. 
But yeah, that was a head scratcher. But then, go ahead. You have something else to say about? Wait, one quick Young? thing about Byron Young that yeah. may have pushed him up the board, and it, this comes from what I heard from Dave of uh, Dave Ziegler. And I talked about it with Jalen Carter. They they value character. Not to say that it's it's top of the list, but character uh, goes into their evaluation process. And Nick Saban praised Byron Young as a leader, so I think if mm. anything, that probably bumped Byron Young up the board. Could be. Uh, and then we look at uh, the other third round pick and we're not going to talk about Jacorian Bennett, uh, but we're going to close out this because we talked a lot about him already uh, and a pick Mo and I both really like. But the other third round pick, a guy I saw a lot of actually in Cincinnati uh, playing for the University of Cincinnati was Trey Tucker. And I know that the reaction from Raider Nation with this pick was like a wide receiver. Now, again, this is a small guy, a lot of speed. You were texting, you and Evan Grote from Just Pod Baby were texting me about some of the reaction out there. Raider Nation, you, you got you to gotta chill a little bit. This is not the second coming of Ty, Tyreek Hill. It's just not. Oh, he's my fast. gosh. He's fast. No, I've seen people. Oh, he's like a Tyreek Hill. No, 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 no. This is a developmental project. <laughs> Okay. Yes. Punt returns. The Raiders need a punt returner. Hunter Renfro should not return punts. Kickoff return. Yes. Although he didn't do a lot in college. He's a, basically a slot receiver. So that tells you again about Hunter Renfro. But you look at this kid and I, it, it's almost like an Al Davis pick from the later years where it's just like his blinding speed blinded Dave Ziegler. So they took him in the third round. I don't, I still don't. And nothing against the kid. I hope he makes the team. I hope he's great. But I don't, I still can't, all these days later, Mo, I still can't understand this pick. I want to say this and emphasize because these kids are having the time of their life this weekend going sure. to the NFL. It's one of the best moments in their life, so I'm not going to crush the kid. But if you wanted a good kick punt returner, you can get that in the fifth round. You don't pick <laughs> that player in the third round. When you have big needs, I'm going to say this one more time. You got big needs, had linebacker and cornerback, <laughs> Even off the offensive line, the interior of the offensive line, and you get a guy who's basically going to be a special teamer, not a, not an immediate impact player. And he's your fourth best slot receiver yes. on the roster right now. You have Jacoby Myers. You have Hunter Renfro. You have DeAndre Carter. Now you have Trey Tucker. So he's your fourth best slot receiver. You draft him, draft him with the 100th pick in the draft. Now, I will say <laughs> this pick makes me think that Hunter Renfro is going to be on the move. I'm not saying yeah. that they specifically drafted Trey <laughs> Tucker to replace Hunter Renfro, but what I'm saying is the accumulation of the slot receivers on the Raiders roster right now, and I ran through the names, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro, DeAndre Carter, and now Trey Tucker, makes me believe that they're going to move their, their most expensive slot receiver and bump up Jacoby Myers, who plays primarily out of the slot, Mm -hmm. DeAndre Carter, who can move on the outside, but he played primarily out of the slot last year with the Chargers. And guess where Trey Tucker lines up, lined up primarily at Cincinnati? In the slot. The writing yes. is on the wall. I think that's the biggest takeaway from this Trey Tucker pick. Not that, oh, he's not going to contribute. It's that Hunter Renfro could possibly be on the move. Now, I will say really quick that the Raiders can save over $11 million if they wait until after June 1st to move Hunter Renfro. Yeah. I believe it's about a little over $7 million if they trade him early. I We'll see what happens, but I think the writing is on the wall for Hunter Renfro. A lot of people have asked me about this. I think there's a 75% chance that he is traded if they find a great suitor. Now, I had an yeah. idea. Really quick, I had uh, an idea. Uh, what? What? An idea? I, I had an idea. If they're if they're <laughs> out on Hunter Renfro and they're going to indeed trade Hunter Renfro, I call the Ravens and say, Hunter Renfro for Patrick Queen. Let's make the deal. The Raiders yes. can clear a log jam at the slot receiver position and address the need at the linebacker spot. 
Yes, this is this is like month two of the Patrick Queen campaign from Mo. <laughs> from, yes, it is. <laughs> you 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 love that guy. I can't argue with it though. Like, I mean, I would love to make fun of you. Like, no, no, but I can't because that if you could get him, absolutely. I mean, look, it, you who you got there? You got some ghosts. You have nobody at linebacker. It, I mean, you gotta do something. So, it just makes so much sense. The Ravens yes. acquired Roquan Smith from the Bears last year and signed him to a five-year, hundred million dollar extension. Right. They just drafted Trenton Simpson, who the Raiders should have drafted, by the way. <laughs> they have Trenton Simpson right now, so that tells you that they don't plan on keeping Patrick Queen long-term. They got a rookie in the early rounds, and they got a guy they just paid. So yeah. it makes sense for you to at least place the call and make the inquiry that, hey, we're interested. What would it take to get him on our roster? Because, as you said, who is the surefire lock uh, player that's going to play most of the snaps at linebacker in the Raiders' defense? Got Robert me. Spillane, Divine Diablo, Amari Bernie. Like, I like Amari yeah. Bernie, but, to, to again, to depend on a six-round pick to be a guy to lead your linebacker room – it's a stretch. Get a starting player there. Fix your defense with that. And I think Patrick Queen would be an immediate upgrade. Absolutely. And listen, again, back to Tucker. Just the last thing I'll say, I want, I want to defend him a little bit because he had no quarterback in Cincinnati last year. So when you look at his numbers, <laughs> there was nobody there to throw to him because Ritter had left the year before. <clears throat> and so there was nobody to throw the ball in Cincinnati. So Trey Tucker didn't have it. But again, round three right there, Mo. Still linebackers available. There were still cornerbacks available. You might have gotten two starting cornerbacks and then getting Bennett even in the 4-2, you could have had two starting cornerbacks and instead you got another slot receiver. I think that's where the confusion and, and the difficulty for me to understand is still there. The one quick thing I'll say about Trey Tucker, because I don't want to crush him continuously on the show because he's got enough of that on Twitter. Not his right? problem where he was the, drafted. The, right. It's not his fault. The Raiders drafted right. him. He didn't draft himself. But I will say that the speed that the Raiders have been looking for, Trey Tucker provides that. So yes. if he's able to get on the field and play some offensive snaps at wide receiver, he'll definitely give you the speed that you that you want at that position because Raiders have been trying to find it. They signed uh, uh, Philip Dorsett, who's a former Patriot. <laughs> now, he's up there in age, but in his heyday, he was known as a speed wide receiver. Now, he, yep. again, he's up there in age right now. So I'm not depending on Philip Dorsett to make the roster per se, but if you can get Trey Tucker on that roster, he's going to give you the speed. He's going to give you those gadget plays that you may want out of a Josh McDaniels offense. Absolutely. All right. That's going to close out segment two for Mo and I. Uh, when we come back, we're going to close out. We'll go through some of the other later round picks for the Raiders, and then we'll give you our overall grade for the We got to give you a grade. Everybody, well, what's your grade? What's your grade? Mm -hmm. I'll give it to you. I won't give you my college GPA, but I will give you. <laughs> The grades for the Raiders draft. You're listening to Silver and Black today. He is Mo. I am Scott. We will be back right after these words. We are back. It is the home stretch here on Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast covering the Las Vegas Raiders. That's right. How did you like the draft? Tell us on social media. You kind of already have. But anyway, I did the picks, Mo. I did the first round pick, the Tyree Wilson pick overwhelmingly the poll we put up on Twitter, 85% Raider nation who responded to the poll liked the pick. Not surprising when you get a baller like that up front, hopefully his foot will be okay. We'll get to that. By the way, make sure you follow Mo on Twitter, M O E M O T O N. I am at LV gully. Mo, I know you got a bunch of new pieces out on this Monday. Let everybody know what to read today. Back up on sports night after a small break from the platform, but 
for those asking, I am still the Raiders columnist at Sports Night. I'll be breaking down why I broke down each day of the Raiders draft. You heard it here. What we thought of Tyree Wilson, what we thought of the day two picks. But check out what I thought about the day three picks because I thought that was more positive uh, than negative. Well, I have more positive praise than criticisms there. Now, I do have <laughs> I do have a couple. I do have a, a one major quit with their day three mm. selections. But, you know, it, overall, I, I think they did a good job. And I like Dave Ziggler being aggressive on day three because you have 12 picks. Why not bundle some picks together and get your guys that you that you targeted? Yeah, I liked how he moved around uh, and traded when he needed to trade to get the guy he wants. Didn't always agree with him. Uh, but at the same time, look, they they had a plan going. Everybody, what's the plan? What's the plan? They clearly had one. And unlike the Gruden Mayock years where you were just like trying to connect the dots, it was like the end <laughs> of usual suspects and you're seeing the board. You couldn't figure it out. This made more sense. Even if I didn't agree with all the picks, it made sense. And I think that was a huge deal. If I'm part of Raider Nation, I'm a fan. At least I can see it, connect the dots, and like, okay, these guys actually put some time and effort in, and they know what they're doing. They're not reacting on emotion and just picking guys because they like them. They're actually doing it with a plan in place, which is good. All right, Mo, we look at um, the rest of these picks, and we get to round four. We'll start with the quarterback. All these fans, Mo, Raider Nation, for years, we got to get a young quarterback. We got to get a young quarterback. Well, they got Jimmy Garoppolo right now. But they did get a young quarterback. Okay, okay. It wasn't the guys everybody wanted. But Aiden O'Connell, the quarterback from Purdue, clearly this is a guy who will be the number three quarterback, most likely, (laughs) in the Raiders quarterback room. What is it about this kid that fits Josh McDaniel's M.O.? What is it about this kid that Raider fans can like? One, he has a quick release, so he's going to get the ball out very quickly. So that means he's very decisive. Mm-hmm. The other thing is he can he can read the field. Even even sometimes he didn't read the entire field at Purdue, but he played in what was called a pro style offense, which means he have he does have to read coverages and make some checks there. So that's a positive. That means he can intake information. One of the things that that Dave Ziegler said at the end of his uh, draft press conference was, "There's one thing that we don't see about these quarterbacks." that you don't see on film or when watching them on TV is the neck up. And I, and I think that was important when um, you look at that selection is the Raiders probably got in a room with him and felt like, okay, this kid can take a lot of information. He's great from the neck up along with the tools he has. And he does have an arm, not maybe not the most accurate thrown downfield, but he does have an arm and he's, I'm sure they think he's a very high IQ player so when you have a high IQ backup quarterback that guy can come in and be a spot starter so Jimmy G goes down in the second quarter who can you depend on to step in right away if you don't want to depend on 37 year old Brian Hoyer Aiden O'Connell get in there and manage the game and I think that's what his job is going to be initially because he does sometimes force some throws so you want to rein that in but if you can rein that in you can turn him into a game manager for at least the first year he makes a lot of the good decisions as I said accurate and decisive and i think the i the high iq thing really mattered to dave ziggler and josh mcdaniels and that's why he was a selection in the fourth round yeah and i like it too because there's zero i mean zero pressure for this kid to do anything but learn this next entire year he'll run that practice squad team right or Mm -hmm. if he's not active so he'll be able to learn what we've been told a million times 
is the most complex offense and terminology there is in the NFL. So so he's going to have all that time. He's going to learn from the old man, Brian Hoyer, that's there, who's been running it. <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo obviously knows it well, too, and has run it. So, so he's going to be in the perfect situation. Zero pressure. Nothing is expected of him. And yeah, if he ends up coming in as a spot starter, or at least a spot, I shouldn't say not a spot starter, but a spot player, if Hoyer, or if, excuse me, if Garoppolo goes down and Hoyer has to take over, or if he progresses really well and he can get in there, uh, all good for the Raiders, and especially in the fourth round. I mean, listen, the Raiders, depending on what happens with this season, this is a rebuild. We thought, hey, it could be a year. It looks more now the way they drafted. It could be a couple years until they start to really hit on it uh, and the plan that they want to do. So you might actually have the opportunity to draft another young quarterback next year earlier in the draft. But this is also why I said that the Rays are more likely to draft a C.J. Stroud than an Anthony Richardson or draft a late round quarterback than to get, you know, a Hendon Hooker. Right. I feel like Joshua Daniels still likes that pure pocket passing quarterback. And, and that's why Anthony Richardson never made sense to me. I think he wants a quarterback that's going to run the play that he calls and not mm -hmm. deviate too much from the structure of his system. I mentioned this plenty of times, and this is why I said, I may like Anthony Richardson in a certain spot, but I don't think that's a fit for Josh McDaniels and what he wants for his offense. Aiden O'Connell, I think, is perfect for what he wants in a quarterback. But I will say my one criticism is the league has changed. And nowadays, you need a quarterback that can move, and move. Aiden O'Connell has no mobility. So no. he better have a quick release because if he's at the mercy of that offensive line and guys are bearing down his neck, he's not going to be able to move out of the way or evade pressure. He's going to just have to throw the ball away or check it down. Yeah, his big big downside for sure there. All right, we look then to Chris Smith, the safety out of Georgia. We talked a little bit about him earlier, Mo, but but the, the thing with this kid that I like, he's good in press coverage, um, good hands, good in run defense as well. His tackling concerns me a little bit, not the best, uh, but also not terrible. And the Raiders, we know, have had issues with that. He's okay in the zone as well. There's some spots here that I think they can develop, but I think he's going to get thrown in there and just see what he can do. Why not? I don't think he is any worse, even as a, as a, as a kid right out of college, than some of what the Raiders have had back there over the last three years. This is just my untrained eye, but I actually like him better in zone coverage than man. Do you? Because, yes, because he doesn't have that long speed. So he ran a 4-6. Sure. So, or four six two something or or even a four seven as pro day so he doesn't have that speed that's going to carry down the field so you don't want him against athletic wide receivers because he will he could get burned that way the way to me in my opinion the way you use uh chris smith is you put him in center field and allow him to read the quarterback and the wide receiver i think that's mm -hmm. where he works best because of his iq and his instincts he can read a play before it happens he has that anticipation so if you put him in center field as a free safety as a deep safety that's where you get the ball production that's where you get the interceptions that's where you get the ass breakups from and i think being a very instinctful uh player at his position makes up for the lack of athleticism and speed that he has and that's why i think he dropped to the fifth round because he doesn't have those eye-popping testing numbers uh but dave ziggler did talk about chris smith being a very smart player being very instinctive and being able to locate the football and that's what i why i think he gets on the field very early even as a fifth round pick very good to the ball absolutely uh, great encapsulation i think of the strengths there okay then we get to the final two picks for the raiders amari bernie the linebacker out of florida look you get to the sixth round they finally get a linebacker not one <laughs> that you and i would sit there and say hey this is a guy you get later in the draft um i did not uh, 
fully full disclosure did not know a lot about him until the Raiders picked him. I didn't go that deep apparently. Uh, and so when you look at that pick, I have, that's not going to be the guy to jump in there and be a solution at linebacker right now. Is this a guy you see uh, making this roster, even in the sixth round, does he have a strong upside that you can tell right now that fans can get excited about? He has a type of background where he can contribute immediately on special teams. He's a former safety, actually transitioned to linebacker early in his career at Florida, uh, made some waves, had a big play against Utah at the beginning of last season. There are some, he does have some co coverage qualities. There was some talk about, is he good in coverage? Is he not? I, I saw some discrepancies within Raiders Twitter. I'll break it down for you. He's not a man cover guy. And Dave Ziggler did mention this during his press. He said, we don't ask linebackers in the NFL to cover man on man against tight ends and running backs nowadays. And, I, and I'm paraphrasing here, but I think it's simply because running backs and tight ends have become so athletic and so good in the pass catching game that linebackers just can't keep up. You got to match a safety with one of those guys. So, He's not going to be asked to cover man on man. He's going to be asked to cover in zone and closed spaces, and he can do that. And that's where his ball production came from at Florida in his last season. So I think he'll be a special teamer with the upside of playing some significant snaps at linebacker because the Raiders just don't have a lot of talent at the position. So I said this, that of the Raiders draft class, of the nine guys, Amari Bernie has a chance to be the biggest surprise because the pathway for him to see a lot of uh, plays at linebacker is there because Divine Diablo, Robert Spillane, you know, the names there aren't mm -hmm. aren't big names, aren't notable names. So anyone who's at the back end of this draft class or UDFA or someone they pick up later in free agency has a chance to play a lot because the Raiders don't have a lot of the position. So Amari Bernie definitely has a chance to contribute right away. All right, there you go. Everything you want to know about Amari Bernie. And, of course, read Mo's column up on Sportsnot today on Monday, and I'm sure you will see that mm -hmm. as well. I have a guess. Is that is that a pretty accurate guess? You're going to talk about him? Yes, and I, okay. I know I seem pretty excited about Amari Bernie, and, and it's because, and not just because Raiders don't have a lot of talent there, but I just feel like for, there's always one year where you look at one guy and it's like, how did the seventh round pick slide and he's contributing early? How did the sixth yeah. round pick slide? How did this UPA, UDFA slide? If you're looking at one guy who could surprise you, as I said, it's Amari Bernie because the pathway for him to play a lot is there on the weak side of that linebacker position. And Mo, I know we're running out of time here on this show today. Uh, we talked a little bit about Nesta Jade Silvera at Arizona State, the connection there, too, as well. I want to jump in before we leave to some of the undrafted free agents. I think there was one or a couple, actually, significant signings the Raiders made that I really like. One is Dalton Wagner, the offensive tackle out of Arkansas. So they didn't address tackle in the draft. They didn't address offensive line in the draft. But they go out and get this kid. I still don't know how this kid wasn't drafted. I like him. He's got such a strong upside. And I think for a guy to come into the Raiders, offer some depth, and eventually perhaps even make his way, this is my bet to eventually make his way into being a starter. Yeah, he definitely has a chance. Uh, the Raiders, I think, are still looking for that swing tackle. Don't tell me about Brandon Parker. Don't want to hear it. <laughs> but I think I think Wagner has a chance. He's more. He's he's got that power in his hands. He was the sixth ranked uh, in his recruiting class among offensive linemen in 2017. So definitely had some talent coming out. We'll see what happens there. But if you're looking at an offensive lineman who could potentially make some ways or at least make the back end of the roster, yep. he's one of the names you should look at. Azizi Hearn, of course, they signed defensive back out of UCLA. They also signed Brock Martin, outside linebacker slash edge, really uh, another undrafted guy. Another linebacker, Drake Thomas from NC State. I'm just going through the list here because there were so many, so many of them. 
and uh, Adam Plant, of course, a UNLV product, so they keep him home in Las Vegas. These are guys are all going to have a chance to get into camp and and do something interesting. They also uh, signed tight end John Samuel Shanker out of Auburn and another Perryman, <laughs> this time Washington cornerback Jordan Perryman. So the undrafted free agents to me, Mo, are always really interesting because you just don't know. These guys, a lot of these guys get into camp and they start turning heads. Um, they're always a long shot to make the roster, most of them, but there's always maybe two or three, sometimes even four, that end up shaking it enough that they either make it onto the active roster and they play special teams or they get onto the practice squad and there's somebody you can develop. Yeah, that's how I missed it. Um, Clinton Curtis, also another Chattanooga product who's yeah. talked about a lot uh, that Raiders fans really like that can possibly add some beef in, uh, on the interior of the offensive line. So definitely some names to watch among the UDFAs. We won't know really what happens with those guys until we get to training camp when they put the pads on, as they say. OTAs is kind of working out in your shorts and your t-shirt. I know there are going to be reports <laughs> about this guy looks good, this guy looks good, but I really oh, yeah. don't pay attention to that stuff until it gets to training camp when the banging really happens. Exactly. Yeah, it's it. You, you start to like their stories, and then fans right. like their stories, right? And because they're always great stories, and right. then you start to root for them, and then they don't make the team, and people get upset about it. But but I, I you you can guarantee one or two at least will make that. Sometimes there's even more, especially with this young roster on on defense. Hey. They're gonna, they're gonna, it's gonna be an open competition. So you just never know what's gonna happen. But overall, Mo, I look at this Raiders this Raiders draft, and because of a couple of the, the sneaky good late picks, including the fourth round, sixth round, and then of course the Michael Mayer pick and the Tyree Wilson pick, I give them a solid B plus on this draft. B to B to B plus, um, not not good enough to be an A in my book because of some of the the misses on linebacker and obviously cornerback. I think they could have done a better job. But overall, I think Raider Nation should be happy with this as a progression, as a step towards this team getting more competitive and getting into a position where they can build a roster from the ground up <clears throat> to become a contender in the AFC West. You're a little higher than me, but before I give my grade, I will say I want to. I know we mentioned him earlier, but I want to say Jacory and Bennett in that fourth round. I that was the other pick that I really liked. I felt like he was overshadowed by Deontay Banks, who went earlier, right? I believe to the Giants, but he was the other cornerback at Maryland. That again, Jacory and Bennett has the ball protection to play right away. Don't overlook and don't underestimate him. Follow him on Twitter, by the way. He's a pretty good follow. He has an inspiring story that you might want to check out. But Absolutely. my overall grade for this class is a solid B. And we talked about some of the things that I, you know, I criticize. I, I feel like Josh McDaniels needs to upgrade his idea of a modern day quarterback. I, I would prefer a quarterback who can move. Aiden O'Connell fits his system to a T, but you got to change. You have to evolve with the game. You do. And I think you have to have a mobile quarterback. That's why you saw Tanner McKee go in the sixth round. Guy yeah. can't move. Um, we talked about the Trey Tucker pick that is a head scratch. No matter how you try to sell it to me, that pick will always be a reach. And I just feel like they could have done better with the, oh, the Byron Young pick at number 70. To my opinion, should have went with a cornerback or a linebacker there. But the picks that they made, Michael Mayer, Tyree Wilson on the first day, the Chris Smith, Jacorian Bennett picks, more than made up for it. I give it a solid B. I would have went B plus again if the if the quarterback position was a little more updated, but I think B is a, is a fair grade. Well, there you have it. That's what we think. And I, I listen. The Tyree Wilson thing too just makes me a little nervous. That's all. If, yeah, it if, does. If 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 if, if, if there anything goes south with that, 
with the injury, then we're going to come back and, and, and we're going to regrade because then we'd be in a much different position as much as I like Michael Mayer and um, some of the later picks. I, I just think that, that you have to be careful with that, but I like the pick overall. I like the kid. Right. He is a dog. He is exactly what you need on the other side of Max Crosby. They could be just a powerful tandem for years to come. So we'll have to see on that, but the draft is over. Now we start to get into this period of roster adjustment. We'll see what's going on with the Raiders uh, before we get to OTAs and camps, which again, OTAs aren't very exciting, but nonetheless, we're going to get into the summer slowdown here in a little bit. One thing I will say is make sure you follow the show on Twitter, SNB today. Also Mo on Twitter, M O E M O T O N. Also read his stuff up on Bleacher Report and Sports Not. You can follow me at LV Gully. I will also get back to writing here this week. By the way, just a little note, Mo and I, we've been going nonstop since July on the show. So we are going to take the rest of the week off. Yes. Oh, no. Yes. Imagine that. <laughs> now, Mo, we, we're still working and got other things going. But from this show, we're just going to give you a little break. We'll be back next week with a full slate, uh, but we're going to take a little bit of time, digest what's going on here, and we'll come back with some good guests. Of course, we like during the summer bringing on guests, former players, get some good stories. We've got to get some Al Davis stories. We haven't had the Al Davis stories lately, right? We've got to get some of those. We have, we have it, but I'll say the, the most Al Davis pick in this draft was, I want to bring him up again, was Ja'Korian Bennett. Yeah. Ran a 4-3, fast as lightning, has that long speed to keep up wide receivers downfield. He he would have loved Ja'Korian Bennett. He would. And I, I love that kid. He, I'm telling you with the top of the draft sans Trey Tucker thing, we'll see. Um, but that the, those picks in the first four rounds, if they hit on all of those, it's going to be a really good draft for this team uh, because that kid is good. And, and uh, I was excited when they select him. So we'll see how it all runs down, but uh, make sure you subscribe to the show, wherever you get it, make sure you follow us all on Twitter and we will interact with you. But uh, and make sure, Mo, you got any live stuff coming up? Or are you are you done for a little while too at Bleacher Report? I have one more Raiders live show on Tuesday, twelve noon Eastern, so nine Pacific. Nice. Yes, nice. so I'll be I'll be again going over the Raiders draft class, just going more in depth on each pick. So if you like this show, or if our breakdown of the picks, you'll love my Bleacher Report live show again, twelve noon Eastern, nine nine a.m. Pacific. Also, I have another. I'll have another sports not pizza at the end of the week. You won't be hearing or seeing us here on YouTube because we're off. But <laughs> if you want, if you want to get your fix, you want to get your Raider fix on, on draft from draft day. I'll have a column up on sports night at the end of the week. There you go. See, we don't we don't we don't completely abandon you. We're we're still right. there for you. It's just different formats. You, you'll different be all format. good with it. All right, Mo. Take care, man. We will see you next week. All right. Sounds good. All right. All right, guys, everybody, we appreciate you being with us as always. Thank you for subscribing to the show. Wherever you get your podcast, just search Silver and Black today. Hit subscribe, hit auto download. That helps us out significantly. Great chat again by the folks on YouTube. So thanks for being with us as well. And say goodbye to our friends listening on The Bet in Las Vegas on the radio. We appreciate you being with us. For our producer, David Stepanian, for my co-host, Mo Moten, I am Scott Branson. This has been... Silver and Black today. Have a great week, Raider Nation.